0: Nine Lives, the debut album from Catalyst, grips with infinite possibility and reflects the contemporary Los Angeles jazz scene. Catalyst is more than a nine-piece band. It's a collective of producers, composers, musicians, and writers who represent a who's who of the Los Angeles jazz community. You can listen to the album on all of the major music platforms or purchase a copy through Bandcamp.com. That's Catalyst and the album is Nine Lives. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. Mm-hmm. Joe Bakhti wants to build a future where people are protected against most diseases through early detection. His company, QuanChin, which marries artificial intelligence with the ability to detect cell-free DNA in the blood with great sensitivity, believes it can help extend the lives of its customers by 10 years within 10 years. QuanChin is offering both its Serenity Subscription Service to Consumers, as well as other offerings for therapeutic developers to support R&D using its technology. We spoke to Bhakti, founder and CEO of Quan about his unusual path to becoming a precision medicine CEO, how he expects technology to transform healthcare, and why he believes the company will be able to extend the lives of its customers through early detection of disease. Joe, thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here. We're going to talk about Quachin, its effort to use technology to detect disease at its earliest stages, and its audacious goal of extending life by 10 years within a decade. Uh, First, I'd like to start with you. Uh, Quachin grew out of a a lab that you ran at UC Berkeley. Um, You have a master's in economics. and and a master's in psychology. Your career began in, in the advertising industry with WPP and Omnicom. How did you find yourself working with artificial intelligence and next-generation sequencing to transform medicine?
1: Well, in a way, it's, um, the, the circle is just closing. So when I was born, um, I was born into a, a, a household of two scientists, uh, my mom and my dad, bioscientists, uh, microbiology and they worked at Max Planck back then in Germany. And uh, so my whole life, all the way up to 19, uh, was basically just biosciences. I heard it every every day and found it always intriguing. Uh, not intriguing enough to make me study medicine, which both of them wanted me to. Um, but I found other things also interesting, specifically economics and psychology. And so um, for the first 19 years, I basically got uh, not just a crash course, a very intensive course of Um, microbiology, biochemistry. And so I I was very familiar with the whole field. Um, Then decided, you know, there are other things too in the world that I wanted to explore. Um, The advertising and marketing angle was more random because I I was mostly on the strategic side of things. And from there, I found actually, even though I loved, you know, thinking about innovation and growth, which was my my main um, objective at these uh, larger marketing firms, um, I found myself more and more drawn to, uh, the financial side of things. Um, and that's why I transitioned more and more into, um, kind of strategic planning and finance. Um, these are very large organizations so that they, while they're doing marketing, they also have, you know, WPPS, I think 116,000 employees, so it's not a small firm. And, um, yeah, from there, you know, I, I did some strategic acquisition things for them. And that got me in touch with startups a lot. Um, And I decided I I wanted to actually switch sides and do do something much more entrepreneurial Um, and did this for a while in the U.S. Um, Yeah, and then uh, in the end, it came full circle back. I was basically looking at different industries from more from an investment perspective. Um, And, you know, biotechnology became more and more important uh, starting 2014-15 because some sequencing... Uh, a confidence of sequencing innovation and AI and cloud systems reached cl- uh, critical mass um, that enabled, you know, something that's amazing. It unlocks this new age of precision medicine. And you know, I was looking at multiple industries, but that really caught my eye and brought back these memories from, you know, my first nineteen years. Uh, and I felt very comfortable jumping a little deeper in, looking at different technologies, and then by a series of coincidences basically led to the point where I realized now we are truly at this complete inflection point in medicine and biotech. And then all these things came together, right? My, my bio background, um, my financial background, um, and my quantitative background, which I did a little bit in finance then. Um, and it was this perfect confluence of really liking biology and uh, the details of sequencing on the chemistry and lab side. Um, but also the, the combination with complex cloud systems, artificial intelligence, and of course, biz- business, model innovation, which was uh, part of my career in these 10 years after, um, graduating college. Um, and yeah, this all comes together in this, what we call the future of medicine here with Quan and our ambitious goal to extend the human lifespan by 10 years within the next 10 years. Uh, And that's exactly the technology stack you need to do that. You need biochemistry, sequencing, cloud systems, um, AI, and a deep understanding of business model innovation.
0: The company, as I mentioned, has rather ambitious goals for transforming medicine. What's wrong with the practice of medicine today? Uh,
1: That must be an ironic question you're asking there, but uh, I can... I can outline that. The, the biggest, there are two things that are really wrong about what's happening today. Uh, and these two things result in, you know, hundreds of thousands of American lives being lost every year. Um, like talking about COVID, this is a much, much bigger problem than COVID, um, which is the healthcare system. So two things are wrong. On the, on the medical process side is that the field of medicine still fundamentally follows the idea that medicine is about treating disease. Um, treating symptomatic disease. And when you look at how people die uh, today, what are the biggest causes of death? It's cancer, it's cardiovascular, it's diabetes and metabolic diseases, um, and it's neurodegenerative problems. All of these are chronic diseases and all of these diseases cannot be dealt with on a symptomatic basis. You cannot wait until you have Alzheimer's and then try to do something about it. You cannot wait until you have late-stage metastatic cancer. It's just too late. So the first problem is that medicine is reactive and symptoms-driven when it needs to be proactive and prevention-driven. And in order to get there, many things have to fundamentally change. Um, It needs to be data-driven. The level of precision and foresight and statistical uh, understanding needs to be far, far higher by, by many, many, many magnitudes. That's problem number one. And the problem number two is the business model of healthcare. Um, And I'm in the middle of this right now because we, we also started doing COVID testing and it's about reimbursement and things like that. And I think the biggest disease in American healthcare that kills the most people is what I call CPT code addiction. And what that is, is that the entire industry is addicted. To charging and invoicing based on CPT codes, and so these CPT codes are just you know eight thousand or nine thousand codes that encode all the medical services and uh, tests and everything. And because everything is insurance driven and Medicare driven, the businesses that are being built need to optimize their entire business and innovation cycles to these CPT codes and to the billing um, to the billing rules. So instead of thinking, okay, what do I need to do to keep people safe and healthy and protect their lives? You have to think, what do I have to do to get a CPT code and then charge the hell out of it based on specific rules that someone has given to that CPT code. For example, COVID, no one thinks about how do I keep people safe from COVID? People think, oh, I get $100 for the COVID test. I get $25.5 for collection. And I get up to $90 for having a physician review something for 10 minutes. So the best business model is, can I have physicians review you and then order the test instead of just giving you the test? And I have compassion with that as an entrepreneur. You need to make money somehow, but at the same time, it's appalling because it's, you know, it creates extreme inefficiencies and it prevents entrepreneurs from aligning their innovation power to The actual objective of keeping people safe and healthy. And so what we do at Quantine is we reject this whole CPT addiction and say we need business models that where we make money when we keep people alive and happy. And the only way to do this right now is you have to go direct payer and say, just pay for the test. You are our customer and we are helping you to, you know, prosper and thrive and survive.
0: Oh, I want to get deeper into that, but before we do, just broadly speaking, how is QuantGene leveraging technology to bring about precision medicine in this transformation? Well, we are working on.
1: Um, well, we are launching three different products this year. Um, one is a COVID, the fastest turnaround high precision COVID system um, in America that is already launched. Um, so since one month. That there, we basically deployed uh, cloud systems and laboratory automation to allow you to have a same-day turnaround with high, high-precision PCR tests, which normally doesn't happen, right? That you have like seven to fourteen days wait times, and we removed this problem. Um, we still have to get the word out because it's just up for for uh, the last month, um, but we are making good progress. Um, the long-term objectives or projects we were working on that also come to fruition this year is one, uh, a liquid biopsy technology. So that is something where you can detect uh, or we guide in the detection of up to 15 different cancers at early stages in the blood with a blood draw. Um, It's a big blood draw, so you draw two tubes of blood. And what that technology did uh, or, or does, and we worked on that since 2015, is a completely new ability and that is to look at every single fragment and molecule of DNA in your bloodstream, or not bloodstream, in the blood sample, um, and, and look for specific cancer-associated variants or mutations on your DNA fragments that are cell-free in the blood. Uh, so these are DNA fragments that are being shed into the blood by cells that died, and that includes tumor cells. And this ability to be able to look at a blood sample and Really have a single molecule precision, or very close to a single molecule precision, uh, is a game changer because it allows you to capture up to a single fragment of DNA in the blood, which means even very small tumors are now in theory detectable. And uh, yeah, everyone who knows cancer knows what it means to catch a cancer at stage one instead of stage four. Um, it's a massive change in in survival. Uh, breast cancer is a great example. Uh, if you if you catch and intercept breast cancer at stage one, you have uh, a 1% mortality rate, um, five-year mortality rate. If you catch it in stage four, uh, you have a 91% mortality rate. Um, and that's the same people and the same disease. Just one is metastatic and one is very early stage without metastasis. Um, that's being reflected in treatments. Early stage is often just a surgery, cut the tumor out and do local radiation. And after two weeks, you're out of the hospital and you're in remission. Uh, And late stage, you know, that's very bad. So um, that is one technology. And then we have, um, together with that, we are also adding genetics, which means hereditary uh, um, sequencing. So that looks just at your healthy genome and, and tells you your risk predispositions. That turned out to be very important also for cancer detection and liquid biopsy for statistical reasons. Because if you have a liquid biopsy, it just tells you what is your base, you know, are you flagged for something? But in order to make turn that into a positive predictive value, so a prediction if you actually have a problem, a tumor or not, um it's very important to understand your risk profile, your underlying risk profile. And genetics is just the most powerful way to do that. So we also looked into that and fundamentally innovated how you do genetic testing. And so this year, uh, very soon actually next week, uh, we are going to launch the world's leading uh, whole exome sequencing system um, where you get a clinical interpretation of your whole exome, meaning all your genes, not just a tiny fraction like 23andMe and others do, um, and do that below $1,000. So it's a $799 test that includes clinical interpretation, that covers your entire genome, you all, or your entire exome, all your genes. And these two products combined, I think, really kick off a new age of precision medicine. Um, and of course, you know, we pro- we we capitalize on a lot of. Uh, fundamental developments that are happening. Uh, so it's not just us inventing everything there, uh, but we gave it an important push. And so these two products really, I think, kick off this new age of a, extreme precision medicine with increasing the data points um, and the understanding we have, we, we could have um, of someone's health by many, many magnitudes, 10 to 100,000 times if you just count the amount of data points we have on someone.
0: So I, I, I want to take those two products i mean it strikes me that the the business here is consumer facing on one hand and it's it's facing researchers and, and down the road clinicians on the other uh, let's start with the consumer side uh, the product is serenity it's it's a subscription based project a product that begins with a a $299 upfront fee for For cost and setup, and then $99 a month. How does the service work, and what does someone get as part of their subscription? So, the way we
1: structure that, um, and we are like, you know, we are new to the market. uh, So, we are doing something very new, and we are very, you know, we are iterating this business model. But our base model is what you mentioned. The idea is you have these two products right now. Um, One is $799, the liquid biopsy will be around $2,000. And you do this ideally annually um, for cancer detection. And the subscription model basically lowers the prices of these products. Um, so you get them basically at half price if, if you have a subscription. Um, and the subscription, um, what we found when you do these things is you're not doing a one-off test here. Uh, you're doing a one-off genetics test. Um, and then you do an annual liquid biopsy. And that creates this massive layer of, of insight and precision uh, that helps you detect things early stage. But all this data needs to be interpreted. And the interpretation is not just a specialist sitting there and and using his brain to think something that's a little uh, backwards. It's a much, much bigger engine behind that where we basically take these billions of data points we have on each person and run that continuously against global medical science. Um, That is very important in genetics, for example, because If I do a genetics test on you right now, and I have all your genes and your variants, what does that mean? It means I solve one part of the equation. The other part of the equation is our knowledge about your variants. And that knowledge changes every week or every day. Uh, It improves every day. Uh, In other words, if you find a variant in your genome, and it is a variant of unknown significance, so we don't know what it means. Uh, who tells us that next week, some group in Southern Re- Russia or in Sweden or something um, doesn't find something out, right? Does a study and find, oh, this is actually a problem here. If you take a certain prescription drug with this variant, you have your slow metabolizer and you will have side effects that are very bad. You know, you want to know if that's being found out. So in other words, you what you need is a system of continuous or real-time medical intelligence that continuously screens your profile and matches it against all findings in the world, including our own clinical trials that are ongoing on the cancer detection side. And we, you want to be updated on anything that's being found and you want to have 24-7 access to specialists, both physicians and genetic counselors, if needed, that you also get access to on a very discounted level um, as a member. So you can basically get genetic counseling sessions for $49, for example as a member, anytime you want. So if you have any question, so we try to make it as affordable um, and low friction as possible. Um, you can also ask them about your family member. So you have a whole system of very advanced medicine um, and preventative medicine and genetics at your disposal. That's kind of the vision here.
0: And what's been done to actually validate this? So on the...
1: On the genetic side, um, of course, our panel and, you know, the way we do sequencing, this is all, these are all clear certified labs. So it's technically validated that it can do all the things we say. Um, There's a lot of government oversight to make sure that, you know, we can actually detect these variants and we actually have whole exome sequencing. Um, on a clinical level, the interpretation, um, the way we interpret your exome is, um, that goes through, you know, peer review publications where we have access. We, we basically connected 25 million uh, publications to this and that are growing. Um, so it's, it is still clinical work where you just read through, uh, scientific publications and you have to make certain judgments. Our artificial intelligence also does that to some extent. Um, but it's, it's validated in the same way. You know, science or medicine in general is validated. You want to have strong peer-reviewed publications covering your interpretation on the genetic side. On the cancer detection side, we we run one of the largest clinical trials in that field. Um, five and a half thousand patients to date uh, that are that we collected, and uh, going up to ten thousand, and that allows us to basically, you know, train our systems with. Uh, reference cohorts of different uh, cancer types um, so we can interpret your patterns of mutations in the blood
0: and are there regulatory hurdles for either of these products
1: yeah there are massive hurdles in all directions so it's that is what i mentioned in the beginning um, to be very innovative how you actually structure that to to avoid all the landmines and stay compliance is uh is very important. So, there's a lot of work. It's always a huge part of building a real hardcore medical startup, especially consumer facing, uh, is to figure all these things out. So, there are different, there are all kinds of hurdles. You just have to figure out how you keep it all compliant.
0: So, have you had to undergo any kind of regulatory review for either of these products?
1: Yeah, there's something called uh, clear and cap review, um, which is actually very complex. Uh, and the funny thing is, most most laboratory people would say, "Oh, it's so easy to get to go through the clear review because they don't understand what we are doing here." So if you have a, you know, if you have a PSA test or an HIV test, it's very easy. If you have, you know, the world's most sensitive NGS panel, it's not easy. Um, so. It has been a two-year process, it takes you roughly two years, um, $300,000 uh, to, uh, to run all these validation experiments, um, so it's massively complicated. We're still you know, wrapping it up for liquid biopsy. Um, you basically have to validate every single claim you make um, on the technical sensitivity level, so if you say we can detect that variant with a 0.09% you know, frequency, uh, down to a 0.09% mutinally frequency in a sample, so one in a thousand roughly, they want you to prove that. So you have to run validation experiments with third-party providers to show that you can actually detect them. And if you, like us, look for 3,500 different cancer-associated mutations, you have to prove it for all of them. So you can imagine that gets very excessive.
0: What do you think it'll take to make this a, a real clinical tool? Well, it
1: already well in a way it's already a real clinical tool when we we launch it so
0: um it depends on the definition of what real means like well, in medical- I mean from from what I've seen on the website you talk about this uh for use in research you're not really talking about uses it in in a physician using it to diagnose a patient
1: oh yeah I mean that's happening end of this year on the website we don't talk about it right now uh, about the clinical tool um, because right now it's research use only. So that the validation I just described is going to get wrapped up uh, hopefully by December and then it will be a clinical tool.
0: As I read through the company's materials, the, the sense I get is that you see this being a, a potential early diagnostic for much more than cancer. What's the opportunity there... <laughs> What do you think it would take to be able to use this as a, a predictive and early detection of of a variety of disease states? So the theory, the medical theory
1: behind selfie DNA and variants on the selfie DNA, is that when a cell dies, it normally has some kind of footprint, mutational footprint, uh, that in theory tells you the story of the death of the cell, and that could be a cancer story, but it can also be an inflammation story. Um, And I'm pretty sure um, that this is true, that this will turn out to be true. And we have some early um, uh, signs for that. For example, uh, pancreatitis, uh, what we see in the selfie DNA of pancreatitis patients of some is that they look similar to pancreatic cancer, but different. So it's very similar profiles at lower levels, which is extremely exciting to see because chronic pancreatitis is highly correlated with pancreatic cancer uh, risk increase. Um, so, and that's an inflammatory condition. So the theory is, you know, with this level of precision, you have suddenly access to a vastly deeper understanding or data, um, of what's happening in the body, how your cells die and why, and all you need to find out is, uh, how to interpret this data. And that is just a question of doing it a lot and learning more. So, it's basically saying, like, you know, you have a satellite camera looks down on Earth and it had like a hundred pixel resolution. And now you have, you know, a, a 10 megapixel resolution. Um, this is a kind of foundational innovation and, and, and step change in in the data you collect. And right now there's one specific application for that. But you can imagine with a camera example, if you would see so much more, you go from a hundred pixels to a hundred million pixels. Um, the number of applications will be much bigger than one. Um, that's, And you don't need to prove that. It's common sense, right? Of course, if you see much, much more, there will be much, much more knowledge generated from that. What that specific knowledge will be, we have to see. We have certain uh, hypotheses, but I think it will be far beyond our hypotheses what comes out of that. It's, It's basically an extreme high-resolution insight into your uh, genetic material in the blood and the variants that it carries.
0: While this all has great sex appeal, the reality of the types of hurdles you, you've acknowledged make me wonder what's it actually going to take for the company to deliver on its vision and actually translate this into the types of benefits where you are able to extend life by, by 10 years in, in, in 10 years? Well, I think the biggest hurdles are behind us. I know
1: I sound naive now, but I'm pretty sure it's true. Um, the biggest hurdles are always the starting point. Do you get enough traction to build the core technology? We have done all that stuff and we are now ready to launch. And I think from here, it's a little business model challenges and cash flow and all these things. Uh, but the core tech stack, that was the really hard part to build it. So we will make very immediate um, progress on cancer. Uh, and that is one of the big killers. Um, so the way I see it, we have 10 years to get to 10 years. All we need to show is like that our patient cohorts, um, have a longer lifespan or die less to me. I think to be more accurate. And uh, what we want to show is that if you are a member of Serenity, your probability of dying goes down compared to a, a comparison cohort, uh, same sociodemographic. And uh, all we have to show is that it goes down by enough to uh, effectively extend your life by 10 years in average. And I think we will see these effects very, very quickly. We will see it in the first year that our cohort has a slightly lower chance of dying. Um, and then in the next year, a little more, and then it goes up exponentially. I, that's my prediction. And I'm pretty sure I'm right about that. Um, if we hit 10 years, or if it's going to be 12 years, or 8 years, or 7 or 13, I, of course, it's, I can guarantee that. Um, but there will be an exponential effect.
0: Joe Bhakti, founder and CEO of Quanchin. Joe, thanks so much for your time today.
1: Thanks a lot. I really appreciate it.
0: Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group.